Hello and welcome to the NDA podcast. My name is Justin Pierce and I'm the editor. This is a podcast in a series called Programmatic Under the Microscope in partnership with Zander, where we do, as it says, look at programmatic under the microscope and examine some of the biggest trends, technologies and techniques that are affecting programmatic advertising. Today's episode is number three in this series, Trends in Omnichannel. And I'm delighted to be joined by two amazing guests, uh, Danny Clayman, GM Northern Europe at Zander, and Charlie Glynn, who's ad tech lead at Channel 4. And there aren't two people that know more about programmatic advertising in the UK. So we're very lucky to join with them. <laughs> so that's hi, really, both. That's really set us up now, isn't it? It definitely <laughs> has. It definitely has. Prepare to be underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not true at all. So let's kick off. This is a, uh, we're going to look at, as the title says, omnichannel, programmatic advertising in omnichannel. Uh, Obviously, this is top of mind for every brand marketer, every agency exec, how to pull this off, you know, in the best way possible. So let's find out how. So what role do we think programmatic advertising is going to play in brands' omnichannel strategies overall this year? And Danny, let's start with you. Yeah. Um, So I think if you look at sort of what may have been considered traditional or emerging channels, they're at different stages of their programmatic life cycle, if you like. Um... Obviously, brands that already invest in these channels, if you think of TV, out-of-home, things like that, they're the more likely to step into Omnichannel. Think of Omnichannel as trying to tie a customer experience together, where I think multi-channel's probably been more, you know, a bit of a reach game to date. Um, I think most people who are on this journey are at a stage of figuring out how they can do the simple things first. So true Omnichannel can still be quite hard to achieve in programmatic. Um, but if you think about you know something like an out of home or TV and pairing that with devices initially, that's that's a pretty good entry point into omnichannel to then think about you know broader audience targeting and matching across across the ecosystem. Charlie, obviously, you know, Dave's mentioned TV. You're on Channel Four. So, how do you see omnichannel developing this year in programmatic? I think it kind of depends on what people, and I think this is where people are, are looking at the role of programmatic more is really. Um, what 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 what's the purpose of of using programmatic versus a traditional method? Because you've got, you know, there are many ways that you could be doing what you might already want to achieve by doing it direct. But previously, you know, programmatic's been a bit more exciting, and it was you know it was relatively new, and there were new capabilities, and it kind of it's almost gone all of that way, and is now coming back a little bit into okay, well, actually, do we need to use programmatic for that? So, is it more for your the audience insights that you can get that you might not know about is it the um the actual audience targeting or measurement that you want now that's obviously changing anyway with the landscape so um but also we kind of see it you know talking from a channel 4 perspective we've seen it as a way of being it for people to be able to have a look and see if they can leverage their or maximize their buying position so you know, we are, we're offering programmatic for people that are maybe in an independent agency or don't necessarily have the bigger deals and relationships. So it's almost like a bit of an access point as well. So I think that's where programmatic is now kind of falling in terms of its role is almost like what what are the distinct reasons for people to buy programmatically and people making that decision really clear. I like that, Danny. Charlie says you have to think about why you use programmatic in the first place, really, in this in this frame. So is that something you come across regularly? Yeah, and if you look at programmatic from its infancy, I think it was you know, it was there for scale and access to supply originally, and we've sort of gone full circle to Charlie's point. We're we're trying to enable different strategies 
um, to get delivery in in a world where you know we are audience first at this point. And if you look at everything that's happened throughout the the pandemic, consumer behaviour and how um, consumers interact with these different channels, it is very different to where we were two years ago. There's more um, there's more recognition and and awareness of of what's going on in channels that are probably more engaging um, than than less. And so I think the whole world of sort of how we think about attribution and measurement that's that's coming together, there's there's going to be so much sophistication over the next couple of years with the landscape changing that I think you'll see more and more go down this route than less. Okay, let's talk a bit more, get a bit granular in terms of the challenges around measurement and, and activation and obviously how we are overcoming those. Charlie, what are you seeing? First of all, what other challenges around these two things? Uh, well, I think one of the interesting things really is is it was just so simple, which is just the definitions that everyone's using. Like as soon as you've got omnichannel, you need to make sure that you're either comparing apples with apples or you're very clear that that's they're very different. And I suppose in its infancy with with programmatic, um, especially in like the video space, um, you know, you had, te- you had teas coming out and being much more on a um, cost per completed view, whereas, you know, the more traditional VOD was just based on... Um, like almost an impression base. Now, even in, you know, with broadcaster VOD, we're now looking, um, and this is across broadcasters, especially with more industry level stuff coming in, is looking at, is it done by the start of the video or 100% completion of that video? And and all of those definitions, they sound, they're really boring to sometimes talk about, but it's so important because that's not only for measurement, but potentially coming in as currency and how people actually want to buy and pay for it. Um, and I think in terms of how people are looking at that, it becomes that's how people might actually start to judge um, and make decisions on how they invest on their plans as well because they're looking at it from, you know, like for like in some respects or at least appreciating why there might be differences. Um, we know that identity is such a big challenge. That's for targeting and for measurement. Um, and I think the, you know, we're looking at... Uh, I suppose it's again goes back to that decision making. Why would you use programmatic? Like, do you really want to do one to one? And if so, are you sure that you're doing one to one there with whatever methodology or, or tech partners you're using? Or are you going a little bit one step higher and looking more at context and kind of actually more of the intricate benefits that programmatic can bring? Um, and I think one of the other challenges again, which is why programmatic is. So it is so good is is those delays and I suppose quick to market in terms of, you know, you might get a brief in, you know, on an agency side and in the morning and by the afternoon you've got, you know, you've got something live. And I think that's from a broadcaster perspective is one of our biggest challenges because, you know, linear, you're talking about a, an eight week lead time, maybe now four now. Um, but even for VOD, it still might be a couple of days programmatic by us doing programmatic. We know it could be a couple of hours um and i think that's those, those are kind of the big ones that i see okay. you think that, those, sorry danny yeah i was just going to build on the um the activation side of that if you think of the sort of world of a trader and getting budgets out the door their entire their entire delivery or process that they think about from a planning point of view changes because as you move into omnichannel and even if you just look at the uk forget other markets and how that, how you have to deal with that the planning process for getting an I.O. out the door for display versus something you're trying to do in broadcast or out of home is totally different. In some cases, it could be weeks to get it live. It, it could be immediate in, in the display world, for example, or or, to, or normal video. Um, 
And I think a lot of this has built up to a level of fragmentation that is challenging in itself if you then compile the wall gardens with that. So you've got so many platforms that you have to think about and and consider before you launch these strategies. Um, It's not necessarily easy easy to frequency cap across across platforms. It's difficult to segment your audiences. So you're not how you think about targeting each and and um, making sure that you're not double down on on certain audiences or areas. Um, splitting budgets between them, access to supply versus each different price points. Like there's so many considerations to to, to just get a campaign out the door. Um, that on the activation side, I think there's a bunch more that needs to be done in terms of planning and consideration before actually going live. It's quite good actually that one because when you're thinking about it, it's like what are you compromising um, for speed in terms of getting something out there? If you do get something that you have to turn around very quickly, right? The more that everything's kind of set up to accommodate all of those things, like you said, like frequency capping, all those kinds of stuff. If that's already taken care of, but you know you can get it to get it out there quickly that's almost like a no-brainer from a from a trader perspective because you know that you can go back to a client and say, we've got your campaign live in these areas, these parts are taken, you know, yeah. with with this level of quality in terms of controls around your campaign and, and reach and frequency and everything. Yeah, I think the um, a lot of the conversation you hear from marketers and the, the challenges they have tends to be around measurement and optimization of channels and you know, ROI that sits across each. But I think actually if they were to sit in the world of somebody trying to get these budgets delivered, it's the planning side that's actually the hardest. So let's talk about you you the three sort of um three sort of audiences, constituencies, agencies and, and brands and tech partners. And as you've just been discussing, things are changing rapidly. So how are the relationships between those three parties evolving to make all this happen? Omnichannel, programmatic advertising happen happen more seamlessly. Charlie. I think it's about proactive. I think the you know it's it's funny. I find it interesting sitting on the other side now, on the on almost on the publisher or broadcaster side rather than on the buy side. And I think a lot of it is about what you set up proactively with partners, which means that down the line, when you're in the situation where you are trying to do quite complicated planning, response to briefs or or activation, um, everyone's aware of capabilities and technical requirements, lead times. You know, that just makes the whole thing smoother. So I think it's very much about having those proactive conversations and, you know, you then have a, you know, you then, you're then in a situation where a DSP can turn around very confidently as almost like the the, the mediator in some respects between uh, a, a, a buyer and, and, the, and the sellers to then say, right, we know we can do X, Y, Z and this is how it will work with this publisher and I'm, this is how you can actually access it. And how fast those relationships you know, changing to, to enable this the sort of thing that you're looking for? Um, I suppose the speed varies. There's only so much capacity you've got, right? There's only so much resource, so you can't spread yourself too thinly. So it's it's a bit of a mirror of, you know, I suppose when agencies started to consolidate on which DSPs they would work with, it's the same thing on the other side because you've only got so much resource to do all of the testing, to have the right conversations, the touch points, to make sure that all of that is integrated. So I think it's... It depends on the number of partners that you're working with, but I think the ultimate success comes from working, you know, and being very clear and working deeply with single partners, not necessarily one at a time, but being clear about your priorities and everyone knowing where they are on each other's kind of roadmaps. I think that's that's what kind of means that you get through things fast. 
Okay, interesting. So, Danny, you obviously sit in the middle, Alexander, hmm. uh, between all sides. So, how are you? Are you seeing the same sort of relationship change as Charlie's outlining? How are you seeing? Yeah. That how do you expect to see them evolve more this year? I think some of the points there, are, you know, the structural changes, happened quite rapidly over the last couple of years in the agency. So they've tended to um, structure the business to be closer than the, to the client, as opposed to sort of channel specific teams, which is always a bit of a barrier. Um, you want to drive the right performance for the client, regardless of the channel that really drove that. Um, so a lot of them have, have, have made that move. Um, and I think one of the reasons for it is to have that balance of proactive versus reactive. And if you really want a good omni-channel strategy, the reactive side of it is is the, the bit that gets you to win. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's seeing insights and reallocating budget appropriately. You can't just really rely on a DSP to do that right now across various um, channels. You you need very fast insights um, and sort of reallocation methods to, to move across the business. Um, I think you'll also see a lot done in terms of um, how agencies think about econometrics and multi-touch attribution. We, we've talked about it in the past where channels are getting valued for... Um, things that you know on the face of it work but aren't really taking into consideration what we mentioned earlier around like consumer behavior and engagement which tends to be higher in certain channels than others um so yeah i think that will that will evolve quite rapidly too okay another big movement is that advertisers are looking to streamline their tech stacks which arguably have gone out of control over the years so it is a move to a single programmatic platform in sight this year do we think charlie start with you I, I kind of hope not, if I'm honest, because I kind of feel that um, there's a lot that, well, whilst there's a lot to be gained, I suppose, in terms of efficiencies, and especially with Omnichannel, you're looking, you know, the if you're moving to, if you're moving to a single kind of DSP or, um, or programmatic stack, then um, you have the advantage of seeing everything in one place, but you ultimately could, there's potential to lose a lot of control with that as well, because, you know, a lot of the, I suppose, uh, you know, um, you could see from some of the latest kind of, I think it was the latest Enders reports about, you know, Amazon's made, you know, big, um, big um, strides in kind of where they've become come as a DSP. And, you know, you've got like Xander and a lot of the other big DSPs that are kind of always in that top quadrant. Um, so it's maybe less of a case now, but I think when I was a trader, remember, you'd be using different DSPs for very different things based on what they could bring, whether that be specific inventory access like the power of their algorithm the access of and and well the ux i suppose was a big one you know but also how how well you could trade on it um but from a publisher perspective i suppose we you know whilst we are dsp agnostic um we technically have a a single stack and that we work closely with freewheel you know on the channel four side but for us that means that we've got centralized decision making but also real input into the product roadmap now i think we're lucky in that sense but that could be a disadvantage with single kind of view but um i think as as, i think as long as you've got that kind of ability to help input and feed into that that's probably one of the biggest priorities okay so a bit more complex than it first appears (laughs) danny what's your view on this move to a single programmatic platform yeah i I think that a single platform approach probably went four or five years ago in all honesty. And and again, by nature of you know, wall gardens and cornered off supply or data. So most most traders are using three to four DSPs, I would imagine, in, in all the largest markets in order to get access to that supply. 
Um, most are using one that would allow, allow them to, one, sort of tackle the open web and two, differentiate their business. Um, and that's where Xander tends to play. Um, in terms of you know why you would use a single platform, I think it, it allows you that greater control that, that Charlie talked to, but ultimately a better experience for your consumers as a brand because you are able to think about that frequency measurement. You are able to think about... Um, how you want to engage sequentially with those with those consumers. So there is a benefit in doing it. I think the reality right now is just a little different. Okay, look, we've covered a lot, a lot of ground. But let's end up talking about our collaboration, which is key in any market. But how do you think that collaboration is evolving in your specific market to help uh, advertisers deliver, as Danny just outlined, better better experiences for for consumers and obviously better better results for them? Charlie, how, what do you see in terms of collaboration? Um. Well, it's quite interesting from my perspective because we're seeing collaboration, you know, and I sit on the Clearcast board, so we have quite a lot of interactions with the other broadcasters, but also not just in the UK, but also um, chatting with those across Europe as well, which has been really interesting because especially with all the changes in regulation and and, and everything like that, you kind of can really share. And also just in, in general in terms of tech stack, you start to understand what other people are doing and sharing that way rather than just having a conversation with another three or four people in the UK about similar things. So that's been really interesting. Um, I think from what I've seen is that the, you know, a few years ago, maybe just in in the TV space, is that there was a lot of competition and really everyone replicating what everyone was doing. Um, you know, I think, uh, but now it's got to a stage where actually there's a lot of work being done together to set us up for more things in the future as a collective um, while still maintaining our own individual um, kind of USPs and kind of different points of difference, I suppose. The um, and you know, from my experience, a lot of that I've seen is in operational infrastructure, which again is sounds like super exciting. And but the, what it will lead to, I think, will be massive, um, especially now for programmatic. It's kind of starting really just in broadcast and VOD, but I think programmatic is going to be the natural progression for that. Like, you know, you look at Sky Glass, you know, that's a real you know, actual heart, we're talking about hardware and actual infrastructure there, but recognition of a user to enable frequency capping is is something that's going to be useful for both consumers and an advertiser. Um, we've got more operational things coming down the track with, um, as part of Clearcast, which will help with the copy clearance process, which for programmatic for me means that's metadata attached to creatives that can be used for way more things in a programmatic sense and give us those controls. Um and then you've also got SeaFlight, which has been a long time coming. Um, but that ability to do all that measurement, um, again, we're looking at linear involved here, but in terms of what that means as we start to extend into more programmatic buying, that just kind of brings it even more omni-channel because you're then comparing or being able to put programmatic comparison in with linear as one of the biggest um, ways of advertising as well. Fantastic. It's interesting that frequency capping comes up so strongly. In all your points, but Danny, collaboration. What's I mean? What how, how does Charlie's point strike you? And how's collaboration, you know, in your particular market, in, improving to, to deliver better results for advertisers and consumers? Yeah, I mean, I guess the benefit of the cookie going away is that um, this has accelerated in a really positive way. Regardless of which channel you're in, we will be working with much richer data, publisher data that that you know is more meaningful. It's first party, and um, it's got a much better insight into into how we can engage with the end consumer. Um, I think 
take that a step further and if you look at some of the challenges in in omnichannel and largely they are around measurement certain advertisers or certain types of businesses might accelerate even further than others um a lot of focuses on cpg and retail at the minute just by nature of you know, the, the loyalty data that they have and the ability for closed loop attribution um so i think you know there are certain sectors of the market or industries that that will move move more quickly um but with all in the background of identity and 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 you know much better offering for both advertisers and publishers long term frankly fantastic well as I said before, we've covered lots of grounds, and I think that's a good way and place in which to end. Lots of challenges, lots of uh, hurdles to get over, but also lots of optimism about how programming advertising is going to develop this year in an omnichannel context. So thank you so much, Danny. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Charlie, Thanks. thank you. Thanks for having us. In and person. In well. person. In person. <laughs> it's always so the nice. best way to do podcasts. Yeah. So it's great to see you both. And thank you so much for listening. That was episode three of Programmatic Under the Microscope Trends in Omnichannel. Episode four coming your way soon. Thanks so much for listening. Oh,